Welcome. Good morning. How are you all doing? Good to see you. Let's all stand together and say the Apostles' Creed together as those of our folks in Appleton and Stevens Point. Welcome to you as they join us. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. It's great to have you with us again this morning. Um, Pastor Mark is in Florida, as, as uh, Keith was saying, and doing a marriage conference down there this weekend. We've got a f- couple of guys on staff, Pastor Mark, or Bob and Lathan, and their wives are off on vacation. And, and so here we are, little old us, together again on Sunday morning. It's good to see you. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, The title of my message this morning is called Troublemakers, and you'll understand a little bit more about it as I get into trouble uh, here. Uh, We go on in the message, but I'm reading from the book of Acts, chapter 17, so let's go there. Uh, Verse 1, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three, day, three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. Troublemakers. You know, it's interesting how we see ourselves compared to how others see us. In the Bible, we're called all these great terms. Believers, saints, disciples, followers, children of God, chosen, the bride of Christ, lots of positive, uplifting nouns and adjectives. Uh, In the ancient city of Antioch, we were first called Christians, Of course, believers were also called a couple other things that were not quite so uplifting. In Thessalonica, for example, we are labeled troublemakers. Muslims today call us infidels. And those without sin, casting stones, call us hypocrites. King James Version is more graphic. These who have turned the world upside down have come hither. 
<laughs> well, there is a transformation in us when we cross the line into our walk of faith in Jesus. We cross over from darkness into light, according to what the Bible says, which you would think is a good thing, but apparently a vast majority thinks much differently. Jesus warned us that it would be like this, that some people, thinking to do God a favor, would even want to end our lives. Check it out. John chapter 16, verse 2. They will put you out of the synagogue, Jesus said. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. Well, today we are celebrating the rite of passage for 25 of our sixth graders here at Eastside and four uh, sixth graders at our Appleton campus. Let's have a big hand for those guys. Some of them are with us today at this service. Uh, as they move on into new territory, so we're excited for you. We also celebrate and congratulate those who have graduated this month from high school and college. So I want to take some time right now to kind of encourage you graduates, maybe challenge you a little as you move on into your next stage of life. What will it look like as you find your place in the world, and more important, as you find your place in the kingdom of God? What's it going to look like? Well, the Bible's pretty clear. You take your place in the world when you first take your place in God's church. It's the only way that it gets done if you're a believer. So where do you fit in? What should you be doing now? What do you look, up for, uh, look for up ahead of you? most difficult thing that you face in our secular culture is perseverance in taking your faith seriously. It's hard. You will be challenged about this over and over, especially as you enter middle school and then senior high and then college. College campuses, by the way, have become mass spiritual graveyards for young Christian adults who do not understand the stakes Involved and do not understand the war that they have entered. Here's the problem. It is quickly becoming more difficult for a Christian to simply live as a Christian in our Western culture without being labeled as something other than Christian. To mention the Christian faith or to refer to what the Bible might, have, might say about something can transition very quickly into a set of circumstances over which you have no control. You could lose your job. You could suffer criminal penalties, accusations of bigotry, losing custody of a child, estrangement from family and friends, accusations possible prosecution for discrimination or slander or violation of someone's human rights. In some third world countries, the penalties can result in long prison terms and even the death penalty. It's costly to be a believer, even in Western culture today. I read the following letter from time to time because it is meaningful and it is challenging to me. Billy Graham first published it in the 1960s. It's a letter written by a young American university student uh, studying in Mexico. And it's a letter to his fiancée explaining his recent conversion to communism and why they had to break off their wedding engagement. We communists have a high casualty rate. 
We're the ones who get shot and hung and lynched and tarred and feathered and jailed and slandered and ridiculed and fired from our jobs and in every other way made as uncomfortable as possible. There is one thing in which I am in dead earnest and that is the communist cause. It is my life, my business, my religion, my hobby, my sweetheart, my wife and mistress, my bread and meat. I work at it in the daytime, I dream of it at night. Its hold on me grows, not lessens, as time goes on. Therefore, I cannot carry on a friendship, a love affair, or even a conversation without relating it to this force which both drives and guides my life. I evaluate people, books, ideas, and actions according to how they affect the communist cause and by their attitude toward it. I have already been in jail because of my ideas, and if necessary, I'm ready to go before a firing squad. Now you can argue with this young man's cause, but you absolutely cannot argue with his commitment. Somebody sat down with that kid at some point during this indoctrination and said, look, we're building something incredible here. We're going to take over the world, but this is what it's going to take, and are you willing to give up your life so that you can be a part of what we're building? Obviously, he saw this as something worth more than anything else. He stepped across the line, and he became a part of what they were building. It's an incredible story. And then there's us. Here's where we fail. We don't see the big picture. We are fed this steady, secular diet of safety, security, comfort, position, power, intelligence, success, prosperity, influence. We are told that these are the rewards for hard work and sacrifice. We are given these things as goals to achieve and are intimidated by unspoken fears if we fail to do so. What will become of me if I don't finish my master's degree and get a good placement in a job? What will become of me if I fail to set aside adequate provision for my family? What will become of me? By the way, self-sustenance is not the big picture. It is not the end product of the worthy life that Jesus was talking about. It is a sad counterfeit substitute focused on what is best for me, what can bring me the most comfort and security, where I earn a maximum amount of credit and self-satisfaction and die feeling good about myself, but with very little to show regarding the kingdom of God. And they might say over you at your funeral, he was a good person, he didn't bother anybody, rest in peace. You make your place in the world when you first make your place in God's church. And the Bible gives us a great picture of the big picture using the metaphor of a humongous temple being built from living stones. And you and I are those stones. 1 Peter 2.5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. 
And as this temple is built, every stone has its place. Every stone has significance. Each stone has a function. Each stone is contributing to something infinitely amazing and worthy. And each stone takes great satisfaction in knowing that it is a part of the team. What we see in the Bible is that incredibly good things can come from stones, both earthly and heavenly. Incredibly destructive things can also come. We humans can be the raw material from which God builds his kingdom. That's the big picture. We can add to the building or we can be instrumental in trying to destroy the building and it's up to us. He leaves it up to us. Do I want to build up or do I want to tear down? So this is what a living stone for Jesus looks like. We are living, which in this case means more than laying on the ground like a dead pile of rocks waiting for somebody to add me to a wall on a building. It's more than that. In this mysterious divine chemistry, God transforms us not only as building blocks, but as builders, co-workers in his kingdom. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. And so I take my place in the world when I first take my place in God's church. Believers in Jesus Christ are drafted onto this work crew. You are a co-worker, meaning there is work. Work exists. You have a job. You have been placed on a weekly schedule by the Lord Almighty. You can expect your name to be called. Paul saw himself as a builder, like a stonemason, adding stone to stone as a part of a team of other builders. Also, co-worker means that you are not the only one. You are a part of a working partnership. We work with one another. You don't have to shoulder the whole workload. Instead, you're given specific things to do as the building is raised up. You do those things and the boss is going to be really happy. Try to do more than what you've been given and you end up delaying the process because you're getting in everybody else's way. Do less than what you've been given and the work is delayed because somebody else ends up having to carry your share. So co-worker means we work and we work with others. We are seeing the big picture. Living stones are not only part of the work team, they are the very building blocks of the kingdom of God, God's great temple. Living stones are people. They are made alive through God's power in Jesus Christ, saved, cleansed, purified, energized. Living stones built together become the very temple of God, the dwelling place of God most high now and in eternity. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. In him, uh, Ephesians 2.21, in him the whole building, here meaning the church, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And then again, 1 Peter 2.5, you also, like living stones, are being built 
into a spiritual house, living stones, building together, co-workers, living, rising up, a holy temple in the Lord, taking their place. That's us. That's awesome. No one has ever done or been or seen anything like us. There's nothing else that exists that even comes close to what we're building. Living stones, building a living temple. Well, it sounds poetic and eloquent. Well, in reality, as living stones do what they are designed to do, people get angry, inevitably, and they will resent what is going on. They don't care about the poetry and eloquence of the thing. They don't even know why they're like that. They just dislike, in the strongest way, the fact that God's temple... It just keeps growing. And these living stones just keep working and multiplying. They fail to see the big picture. Well, the people of Jerusalem were like that. They did not appreciate Jesus or his disciples coming to their city. He began his ministry in obscurity, quietly, building, building, building. No fanfare. He just called his disciples. He trained his guys in obscurity. Nobody saw what was going on. Most of his miracles and teachings were done in, in really out-of-the-way places. He was only in ministry for three and a half years. He started with just 12 working-class blue-collar guys, and yet he changed the world. By the time they hit their apex in Jerusalem and then Asia... The disciples were known everywhere. What we first read this morning, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here to our city. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, as God's living stones, what is it that you want? Do you really want soft and easy or is something in you saying that there is a greater life than soft and easy? You guys and girls who graduate, are graduating today through your rite of passage, and others of you who are here, and those of you listening in who graduated this year from high school and college, listen to what I'm saying. You need to know what you want. If the imprint of God is on your life, Expect God to start shaping what you want, where you go, what you do, who you marry, a thousand other things. He will change you, and then he will change your life. You might not see it coming, but I promise you, things are going to change. You take your place in the world when you take your place in God's church. Young Christian adults, by the way, are going into college and career and currently disappearing off of the Christian radar. 80% of them disappear off of that radar within their first year of college. 80%. Gone. Just gone. As if they had never known Christ. As if they had never promised him anything. As if they had never graduated from a rite of passage or attended a Christian camp or learned and grown close to God at a retreat or a celebration fine arts camp. Just gone. Not living stones. Just dead stones. Building nothing. Pursuing nothing. 
valuing nothing, once alive, now dead. Do you want that to be your legacy? I want to share this video with you this morning. This is Stefano, 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 <laughs> Stefano Boliolo, pastor of Good News Christian Church in Rome, Italy. In 1974, Pastor Mark and Debbie, Gail and I, and were part of a team of 20-somethings who set up this big tent in Rome, Italy. We went to the streets during the day to share the gospel and then had meetings every night in this big tent. I was 23 years old. I preached in the tent every night for three months. We lived in tents. We ate our meals in tents. We wore thick coats all day because it was winter. Remember that, Debbie? Prayed in tents, sang in tents, sang and witnessed to people in the open air on the streets of Rome. Stefano was 16 years old at that time. And he came to our tent meetings every night with his buddies. They lived in the neighborhood. He loved the music and he loved the fact that he could hang out with these cool American hippies. <laughs> So he liked that. He was really somebody. Okay, and then one night, Stefano came forward to receive Christ at our meeting, and I baptized him a few days later. Today, Stefano still serves Christ in Rome and is pastor of a wonderful church. Well, we found each other on Facebook a few years ago, and he's doing what he is doing 40 years later because we went to Europe as a bunch of scroungy hippies, lived by faith, lived in tents, went all out for Jesus, saw the big picture, and saw many people come to faith as a result. Let's see Stefano. Hello, I'm Stefano Bogliolo, and I'm the senior pastor of a church in the southern area of Rome that I've personally planted since 1980. In Italy there are about uh, 60 million people of inhabitants, less than a million uh, of them are evangelical and uh, almost half of them are immigrants. Uh, Torre Angela, that is the name of the neighborhood uh, where our church is located, is one of the hardest places of the capital with a high rate of drug addiction, uh, crime problems, and high uh, concentration of immigrants. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we host uh, uh, in our church uh, a, Roman, a Romanian group who holds their meeting on Sunday morning, and they are helping us uh, paying the bill for the rent of the building. We have uh, worship on Sunday afternoon, uh, prayer meeting on Tuesday, uh, Bible study Wednesday, on Thursday the choir practice, and then finally we have a meeting on Friday. Altogether, I would say we are wavering uh, from 80 to 100 uh, people. Likewise, uh, uh, since many years now we have uh, also a prison ministry here in Rome and in Naples as well, where we have uh, a small group whose pastor baptized uh, in the prison several new converted. These years um, we met hundreds of people in the prison, many here in Rome from all over the world, most of them from South America, 
and many of them gave their life to Jesus and are now attending uh, a church. We have even programs for the children uh, of our neighborhood. Uh, during the, the financial crisis, we also have a, um, we provide food for the poor of our neighborhood. And um, we have some programs, sport, sport programs for the, the youth and uh, several other activities. Even though we are not a big church, we are a small one, we are engaged uh, in the, the challenge of uh, uh, bringing Jesus to our nation and we work with, together with several agencies. Thank you for your attention and God bless you. Those of Italy salute you. Isn't that great? <laughs> Stefano Boliolo. Stefano Boliolo, there it is. Now I'm not saying, you know, that you have to live in a tent in order to see the big picture. Uh, but you do have to make yourself available to something greater than you. I'm not saying you have to do what we did, but you do have to get your priorities straightened out. What's important to you? Is Jesus in the picture at all in your life? I'm not saying you're not supposed to go to college, but just wait one second is college really what you want to do? You need to know that. If so, that's awesome, that's great. But if not, then it's time to figure out what it is you want to do. Do you think God has a future for you? You better believe he does. And it is more astonishing than anything that you could ever imagine. Rather than worrying about college or career or money for that matter, why not just take a moment in the presence of God who has promised you that he will supply all of these things and ask him what the plan for your life might be. Why not do that? You've heard the saying, God loves you and has a plan for your life. <laughs> Somehow I think we've morphed that into God loves you and everybody else has a plan for your life. Well, what is God saying to you? Why not start out with his plan first and then work out from that? Don't underestimate yourself, students. As a living stone created by God to bring forth an amazing temple through Jesus Christ, you have everything you need for a successful life beyond description. You can do more than you think, especially at a young age. Listen to what Paul said to the Romans. They were young believers. I myself, he said, am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. There's an interesting thing that happened when Jesus first sent out his disciples. They were young guys, kind of full of themselves, confident they could do anything, confident that they would succeed. The amazing thing is that Jesus didn't put them through eight years of theological education. He just sent them out. And listen to the report when they got back. Verse 17, Luke chapter 11, I believe. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he said, yes, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and overcome all the powers of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. But don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but that your names are written in heaven. And at that time, Jesus because this brought great joy to his heart, full of joy through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, 
Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. You can do it. Pastor Mark preached about this a few months ago, and I'm bringing it up again today. It matters what you do with your life, and it is important to God that you are making these decisions right now. Listen to God. Understand that what you do matters. Don't shortchange yourself. Let him put a dream and a challenge in your heart right now and then begin to rise to that. He will enable you. This September, we are launching a brand new ministry at Celebration Church. It's called Transition One. This is a a school for graduating high school seniors. We call it a gap year school, meaning that you take one year gap between high school and college to serve God and to grow deeper in your faith. We have a table in the lobby this morning with lots of information. Some of our students from this fall are going to be out there at the table. And we are still taking applications for this fall semester. So check it out. Sign up on the sign-up sheet there, the mailing list. Parents and adults, we have need of host homes for out-of-town students. So please see me if you could uh, give your home or host, host a student in your home. Pick up an application at the table for that as well. Or maybe you could contribute to the Transition One Scholarship Fund in order to help sponsor a student who will be attending this school this fall. If so, pick up that pamphlet at the table and pray about helping us out financially. Now, after the students that do come, after you've been with us for six months in classroom here at church and out in the community helping and serving, it, it is going to be an amazing time. But after that, you're going to be heading overseas for three months uh, in a foreign location at a church or a mission. Uh, really amazing time. Some of our students are going to actually be going to Pastor Stefano's church in Rome, and that's why I showed you this video this morning. So we encourage you to step out, do something amazing, and maybe a little risky, be different, make your life count, check out God's big picture, and be a troublemaker. You know, it doesn't matter, amen? It's okay to be a troublemaker in this way. It doesn't matter. How it looks, if you bear the name of Jesus, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to ruffle some feathers, just the way it is. So maybe now would be a great time to get started on that. So take your place in the world, okay? Take your place in the world by first taking your place in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you this morning for your goodness to us and all the wonderful blessings we enjoy because we belong to you. Father, right now we ask in Jesus' name that you will touch every heart in this place and those who are listening to us online. God, would you touch every person? Give them direction. Show them your plan. Touch our hearts, Lord, that we might yield to your plan and give our best years to you, the best God anyone ever heard of or served. We love you, Lord. We exalt your name this morning above every name that is named. And we thank you, Lord, for the honor and privilege it is to be able to serve you in this generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.